Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen is the 15th anniversary of the handover. iTunes gets Rio, well, sort of, and we look at the films The Bounty and Inseparable. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Thursday, June 28th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. Hello, sir. Uh, it's a Thursday. We don't normally record on Thursdays, but... Uh, we pushed things back a little bit this week. Uh, one of the reasons being we didn't have a movie night. Thursday is usually our movie night. Yes. Um, but how are you doing? How's things going? Um, good. I apologize for the delay because actually Tuesday night I um, met with the uh, some people from the Udine Far East Film Festival. Uh, because they were in town and they were only free on Tuesday night. And I had to go out there and, uh, and, and meet them for dinner. Along with, uh, of course, friend of the show, Tim Young's and Kozo. Um, and actually met director Herman Yao that night. Oh, wow. Look at you rubbing shoulders with the, uh, uh, the big guys. No, he's, he's very down to earth and he's a very nice guy. And he talked a little bit with us about, uh, the upcoming final Ip Man movie, of course. Um, uh, and, and we shook hands and, uh, because we're from the same, we came, both came out of Baptist University. So he even, you know, wished me luck cause I'm like his, his, um, Chinese word is dai, you know, like his yeah. under, underclassman. So he says, yeah, add oil, dai. So... I was very, very happy. It was a good night. Mm. But uh, sorry for the delay. Delay. Well, that's quite all right. Maybe uh, well, now that you've got inroads, we can uh, get them on the show in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, good that you can get out and about and uh, being, being in the industry, doing stuff and talking stuff. Unfortunately, I'm homebound quite a bit these days, uh, as would be expected. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on this week. I mean, uh, we've got uh, you know the. It's the handover celebration. We've also got a, a typhoon or a tropical storm on our doorstep that looks like it's ready to plow into us in a day or so. Um, so a lot of stuff going on. We'll talk about some of it and a little bit more right after some news. All right, so we do have some news to talk about this week before we get into some films. We forgot to say what films we're going to be talking about. What are we going to be talking about film-wise this week? Well, for East Screen, we'll be talking about the, the Bounty, uh, starring Chairman Tom and Fiona Sit, and kind of a West Screen, but also an e- mainly an East Screen because of um, the financing. Uh, but for West Screen, we'll be talking about Inseparable, starring uh, Daniel Wu and Kevin Spacey. All right. Um, so, yeah, those are the, the films we'll be covering, but we also have some news uh, to talk about this week. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's the 15th anniversary of the Hong Kong handover. It has been... 15 years uh, since uh, the transition from the colonial era, uh, that is the uh, colonial stewardship by the British government of Hong Kong as a region, 
to uh, back to China to become the SAR, Special Autonomous Region. Um, so it's a party, right, Kevin? I mean, you're going to put on a party hat and uh, celebrate and uh, have a cake? No, I'm going to put on my cap and go out and protest and celebrate my, my rights as a, as a citizen of the city and uh, practice my free speech and protest. Hmm. It's a new government is coming in and a very controversial new government. And, um, and of course, on July 1st, it's the, <clears throat> excuse me, on July 1st, it's uh, the annual let's take our whatever grievances we have and take them out to the streets day, as, it, as some call it. Uh, usually, I would my grievance is that we don't have democracy in the city. So actually, part of me is like, what if we finally do have democracy? What are we going to have to protest about on July 1st? But anyway, until, we ha until that day, I will be uh, going out there on the streets and, um, like I said, practicing my right to free speech, practicing my right to protest, mm. and uh, hopefully, and hope to shout for democracy once more. And hopefully not get too wet in the process. Yes, uh, I'm hoping the, the, this, uh, of course, we have a uh, tropical storm at our door. I don't even know the name because I don't like it. I don't even respect it enough to know a name because it's not even a typhoon yet. The little, the little, you know. Um, but yes, it is on the way and it's coming directly for Hong, to, to Hong Kong. Um, and it's right now uh, typhoon center number one just, just went up, uh, which means uh, it's time to prepare uh, for the storm coming. Um, I'm hoping that it comes uh, on Saturday and then um, goes right past, and then uh, we'll have nice and cleary skies on Sunday so we can uh, do our civic duty. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, I hope you guys don't get too wet. I think I'm going to be staying in to celebrate in the way that I like to every year by playing my classic edition of Hong Kong Monopoly. It, it is something to, do you think it is something to celebrate, Paul? It's something worth celebrating. I mean, it's yeah. The end of colonialism is is great. I mean, colonialism is not a just phrase. It's not a great thing. Uh, and as a Chinese person, of course, I don't encourage colonialism. I'm not sure if some Europeans still believe in that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I. But is it something worth celebrating? That's well, that's the question. I mean, I forgot um, it, it, I don't want to get too political, and 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 I try to keep myself fairly well removed from from politics. Um, I, I like following politics, but I, I don't mm -hmm. want to get too directly involved in them myself. But I do find okay. it very, very interesting. Um, and and I, you know, I say I'm all about democracy, so more power to everybody who wants to go out and and, and march and uh, get themselves heard. I think I'll stay home and watch, uh, uh, you know, from the Queen to the Chief Executive or uh, a, a relevant film or network. <laughs> Network. <laughs> Network, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we are going to have, you know, uh, the anniversary. D did they do fireworks? I don't remember. Yes, yes, yeah. there is uh, fireworks coming, so, but, yeah. So, basically, if you're if you're a, a listener li listening in from the outside of Hong Kong, you know, they, they, they've tried to make this a sort of a 4th of July holiday kind of a thing. Um, but for most people here, it doesn't, you know, we get a day off, hooray. But other than that, it's not, there's not really a big sense of unification because you've got all these different people with different feelings mm -hmm. and different allegiances. So, but hey, day off from work, I don't mind. You guys get the day off on Monday? Yes, yes, yeah. we get, it's a public holiday, so we definitely have a day off. Yeah. Uh, and but the protest, I mean, the marches will be happening on Sunday. The march will Weather be happening providing. on, yeah, it won't be, well, yeah, it will be happening on a day off. Yes, so so uh, we still get a day off after that, uh, mm. which I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied with. Yes, yeah. so you can uh, nurse your pepper spray wounds or whatever you may encounter if you get rowdy, right? <laughs>
knocking one, knock wood, <laughs> knock on wood. Touch wood. I won't get get close enough to the pepper spray. Yeah. Just just keep your 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 iPhone handy for uh, recording. I'm gonna start. Re- I'm gonna start charging my batteries. So I have an extra battery. Yes, yeah. I'll be out there. Uh, all right. So we've got some other news, uh, non-political of sort, related to film. And why don't we get to some of that? Um, I guess sort of as a handover anniversary present, Hong Kong finally gets a real iTunes store. Hooray! Yes. Right? Sort of. Yes. It's <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well. Yes. Go ahead. All right. Well. So this was when? Did, when did this officially get rolled out? Like two days ago. Two days ago, I think. Was it? Yeah, because um, yeah, it was a, a simultaneous launch in like nine different countries, including Taiwan, um, Macau, Hong Kong, I think maybe like Cambodia or something. Yeah. So Apparently I guess Apparently they had a big my... uh, blowout at the at the Apple store over in uh, Central as well. Oh, uh, we, with, yeah, uh, the Apple TVs out there now, yeah. With, um, you know, high-profile artists like Jem yes, uh, yes. And, and others. It... Um, but yeah, I mean, this is... I want to say it's kind of good news. Um, you know, basically, if you wanted to have access to iTunes before this, you had to have a U.S. credit card and you could get, get access to the U.S. store. Or you had to have an overseas credit card to get access to whatever overseas store. So now Hong Kongers can have their own store um, with some some of the same content and some <coughs> content uh, that's coming from China. So, for example, I, I popped in and... Um, um, what was the, what was the romantic comedy from China? Love is not blind. Yeah, it's love is the only lo- Chinese language. Love film. is not blind was one of the pro- yes. the, the highlighted films. The only China. the only Chinese language film. Um, but they had some other stuff. It seemed like they had some Korean stuff on the store, and uh, but the when I looked at Love is Not Blind, they just had it for purchase. They did not have it for rental. So it seems like some aspects of the iTunes store are in place. Um, some are not, uh, so they've got apps, they've got music, um, it seems like they've got, um, some local artists and some Asian artists in the music store, um, and they've got apps and, and podcasts, and I gotta tell you, Kevin, I'm kind of disappointed. Well, it's a start. Well, let me tell you why I'm disappointed. Okay. Because I went in to the podcast section, and I could not find our podcast. (laughs) No. <laughs> you can find it if you search for it. If you do a search for the name. But if you just throw in some keywords, it's like, you know, Hong Kong podcast, it's not coming up. So I don't know what what what's up if we've got to got to get more people to vote for the uh for the show or maybe I'll maybe I'll have to do some kind of a competition, you know, for every every month whoever gives us a five-star rating, you know, we'll have to buy off five-star ratings. We can send out movies to people or something. Uh, I'll buy it off um, Weibo or something. But, yes. you know, the I was thinking, People, I was thinking at the very least, you? we are Come a Hong on. Kong-based podcast. Can't we at least get featured in the Hong Kong store? <laughs> I mean, Come on, people. Aren't we good to you? But the thing is, Hong Kong always, always, the Hong Kong iTunes store always had a podcast section and it's been on there for a long time. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And, and, it, and, 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 and as with many of the podcast sections, they are full of commercial podcasts now. That's one of the... And, and yes. this comes on the heels, too, of apparently um, iOS is now having... A podcast application um, that's going to be native to the device. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but apparently it's supposed to be really easy to integrate and get your podcast directly up. I don't know um, if it's going to change the way I do things or not. I don't think so. I've, got, I've really got to go and investigate it more. But 
you know, people have been talking about this on tech shows throughout the week and, um, you know, that this is potentially going to be a big thing and, and perhaps people will be able to, to generate revenue for their shows through this by, you know, um, you know, assigning cost. Of course, Apple's going to take 30% if you do that. Um, and there have been some different discussions about, you know, perhaps people could have a, a donate button right in their in their iTunes page. As a, and some people are saying, well, no, it's better for people just to go to your site and give your site more exposure. And so there's still a lot of uh, speculation going on about, you know, how podcasting, how much of a future podcasting has and, and, and how well it's going to be integrated with some of these new tools. But it is certain, I mean, the way that iTunes, one of my big complaints about iTunes is that it's just an oversaturated um, search database, basically. Yeah. That unless you know specifically the name of some podcast, I mean, there are, there are some podcasts like I listen to, uh, you know, some independent podcasters who are they have you know hundred thousand hundreds of thousands of listeners, and they've got a lot of you know reviews and and they're up there featured in in you know prominently uh, on iTunes. But for some of the smaller people like us, it's it's really hard to get any kind of notice because there's no kind of a rotation system. And I was talking with one uh, a fellow podcaster on uh, Google Plus, and I was saying I what one of the things that would be really kind of interesting is if they could have some kind of a of a promotional aspect, right? You know, so where you could go in and and pay a, a small thing, you know, as an independent podcaster, you know, you pay a small, you know, pay like uh, twenty dollars or fifty dollars for a month. And that might get you highlighted um, prominently on the iTunes store somehow. Um, but of do, course, do, do you think um, podcasters should be making money? Should be making turning podcasts into a business? Well, I mean, I, I, I personally, personally, I don't think I, 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 don't, I don't think, think I, don't, so I don't think, I think it's if we all start talking about you know making profits, I think it's going to hurt the podcasting community well, no, in general. Mo- many of the high level podcasters already make money. They make right. money through donation buttons, um, right on their right on their sites. Yeah, you know, that is, they've built a site, and you go to their site, and there'll be a donate button there. Um, so some people contribute that way. They also some people sell space. They sell you know revenue space based on the number of listeners that are out there listening to the show, um, using analytics and things, and so they can figure out you know, how much they can charge for advertising space. The more listeners you've got, the more you can charge. There, there's a ratio that exists. Well, I um, think that's one thing, but but I think, I don't think we should, I don't think podcasters should start charging money for people to get access to their content. Well, it depends. I mean, I if, think you, if you, you really want access. The, the podcasting community in general, the, yeah. the idea or the nature of podcasting. I if you really that, want access. You know, you start there's, charging. You know, there's, there's the idea that, you, you know, you could charge people for it. I don't, I don't think I've I've paid for one podcast before, and it's an interesting model. This one podcaster that I listen to, what he does is he'll do like a year of shows, and they'll be free on iTunes. And then when he starts his next season, he'll start he'll take those down. He'll keep his current season up that he's doing, and those will be free. But if you want to go back and listen to the earlier shows, then he charges I think a dollar an episode. Um, and, and while he's doing the, the, the current season of shows, he'll ask people, you know, say, if you like the show, you know, uh, give me a buck. Um, but he still keeps them free. So that's, that's sort of a, a hybrid model. And I guess it's worked for him, 
because um, he's doing that as sort of a, a full-time gig. But most of the most of the podcasts that I listen to do not charge, and I don't think that a direct charge per episode um, is is the way to go. Yeah. But um, you know, who knows? We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But we have a store, and so that's something. I, I'll be more excited when the store gets more rental options. The thing is, movies. I'm not worried about movies. Yes, the 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 iTunes store, Hong Kong iTunes store, is a very disappointing lineup of movies. Only by many, uh, many I'm guessing Hollywood studios that are willing to play along so far. Yeah. Uh, so mainly Sony. I think I see some uh, 20th Century Fox, um, Warner Brothers. A, a, a small selection of stuff compared to what they have in in the states. But I'm very very happy that finally there's a music store in Hong Kong because movies. I have many ways to get my movies. I can rent, I can buy. It's not terrible. It's not really inaccessible. But music is something that you know. I think that that's how a iTunes store kind of made their made their buck, and and it is very good because there is so much music out there, and it's brought it's combined the American store, much of the mu- American store's music with the uh, with localized stuff. So you have um, uh, the Khalil Fong, uh, a lot of Jackie Chan music, a lot of uh, Gem, of course, an exclusive release. Um, so a lot a lot. Of, Eastern Chance albums are already on here, so I'm very happy to now be. I'm already going on a buying spree on the Hong Kong music store. I'm gonna buy. I already bought like a Led Zeppelin album and a Beatles album, and and I'm gonna buy something uh, a Chinese album later on. And I'm very excited about what's in store. But now, did you used to use the U.S. store? Yes, I for for some music I I used to buy. Of course, I rent movies off the American store and. Uh, and I, I bought some music. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very See, happy one of the, that it's now. One of the Hong things Kong. that I don't really like is it, it's, I mean, it's not terribly difficult, but you basically have to have two different accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, I, I wish there was an easy way to just do a, a button click transition and that where you could keep this basically the same identity. Um, but you just, you know, you have different. Uh, you know, a different billing account that lets you get access to it. But right now, if you want to, if you have a U.S.-based iTunes account, you it, <clears throat> you have to have a different Hong Kong-based iTunes account. Um, what well, is the thing that if they if they let that let you do that, that's essentially them saying that it's okay to have to have to access a U.S. store overseas when you're not supposed to. See, that's what this, the thing is kind of trying to discourage, and the thing is trying to this is how they're trying to convince content owners that it's okay to be on the iTunes store by saying that, look, this is what we're doing to stop parallel imports, to stop... Um, and and it's actually, that's the only way to keep the store to have content. So, in, in a way, I don't mind so much, I think. Yeah, but I think that... I, I think that's such an old-school way of thinking of things. You know, if, I, if I'm... If I'm... Right, you know, if I'm in, the, in California and I download a movie to my device from the American iTunes store. And then I, to get on a plane, and, you know, 16 hours later, I'm in Hong Kong, I'm physically in a different location. Mm-hmm. And technically what they're saying is that I should not be able to to watch my media at that point, right? No, no, you should not be able to buy a media at that point. Why? You can you buy it, you own it. The thing is, it's, it's one of those... But, but see, it, the see, old school you, model is, is, is still there because it's still profitable. Yeah. Selling, selling, selling distribution, right, is still far more profitable than someone, someone like a global net release. Um, in the end, it's, it's still more profitable. And that's the way that the, the, the content owners are still going to hold to because it is still the best way to make money. 
to make a profit. Um, and I don't, I don't see it to be changed in the foreseeable future. Actually, I would like to know how, how iTunes managed to get, you know, bring the Beatles over to the Hong Kong store because the Beatles music is notoriously expensive to, to, to buy rights to. Yeah. So I'm very interested how they managed to get so many rights, um, any to get so many American content, uh, especially music here on the Hong Kong iTunes store. But but I, uh, but before, well, of course, I am very very happy that we now can buy, um, officially buy the Wonder Girls Nobody music video <laughs> legally because I have not I've only seen it one million times, so I haven't I would like to see it two million times before it's it's over, so I can yeah. finally buy it. It's going to be the most played thing on your uh, iTunes account, right? Shh. No, no, no. Never. Don't tell anyone. Um, all right. Well, in related news, uh, we've got an article coming from our favorite news site, filmbizasia.com. Uh, this article coming last week from uh, Patrick Freider on uh, Thursday, 21st of June. Uh, it is entitled Chinese Film Struggles with Online Video. So this is somewhat related um, to what we're talking about with iTunes. Uh, and this was uh, one of the uh, media platform talks that was going on during SIF, uh, the Shanghai International Film Festival, um, talking about the different uh, online video distribution models that exist in China. And I really wanted to pick your brain on this, Kevin, because one of the things they say in this article is that um, there is no stable business model for online video in China. Mm -hmm. um, do you agree with that? Because I'll tell you what, um, my wife uses La TV and what was the other one? PPS um, every day. And, you know, she's watching a ton of material. I don't know if are, if these are considered legitimate or not, but they've got ads running through them. Um, and it's, it seems like they are, you know, they're geared to make money with all the advertising that's going on. Um, both on the websites and in the apps. Uh, Love TV is definitely legal. Uh, they they boast uh, having the biggest uh, I think library of legal legally obtained uh, material. Um, and actually, I do doubt because, uh, like they said, there is no stable business model because um, many people won't because they 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 earn a lot of their revenue. I think through the the, the limited the pay platform, which is charging five dollars for each rental of movies of new movies. And I'm guessing that it's not doing very well. Hmm. Uh, and the problem is not is not whether people are watching or not. It's, uh, I think they're not getting the big advertisers that they're looking for. If you look at the advertising, they're not really big companies. You're not getting you know the big names like Pepsi or Coca-Cola or um, I don't know why I think of soft drinks first. But you know you don't have the big brands. You have kind of small. I'm not sure how much they're not very big national companies. And also the problem is, is the money that they're paying for the rights. Um, uh, price rights for pri uh, price for rights is getting is essentially going up tenfold every year. Mm -hmm. It's going up way too high at a very rapid pace. And when I'm not even talking about movies, I'm talking about TV shows um, because they're charging by episode, and and they're essentially the prices for these things are are are, are the record is getting reset every every other month maybe. Yeah. So it's it's not really coming out. They're not really balancing their budget right because the content owners they know they can sell it because they know that the online these online video services are essentially relying on them. And um, it's very fragmented because there's so many different services and you don't know which one is legal, you don't know which is illegal. All people care about is that they get access to it. So many of them, I guess, they end up going to like, PPS. PPS, actually, many of the stuff there are illegal. Oh, really? They're not legal. Yes. And um, I'm guessing certain content owners are also, are also uh, uh, hesitant because of 
relatively lack of real regional restriction. Yuku and Tudo have very very strict regional restrictions, and and uh, but even then they're not they they're so they're still making so little profit that they just merged I think half a year ago. Yeah. Um. So I'm very very worried because Love TV was was a good start to get people to watch movies legally on the internet. Uh. It was a it was a good. Um, what's the word? Behavior coding sort of sort of deal, rather than a real profitable model. And I think to get it's more important to get people to start thinking about being able to watch these movies legally, being able to watch content legally, um, rather than rather than making a profit out of it right away. Hmm. And actually, that is a, a huge problem with um, entertainment here in Asia. I think, if not China and Hong Kong, then maybe rest of Asia is that that content owners think too short. Too much, too much in the short term. They think about getting money immediately, making profit immediately. But sometimes it really is a step by step. You have to change people's behavior. Like uh, we're just talking about iTunes. iTunes. Many people, you know, doubted iTunes because they think everyone would download music. Everyone would keep downloading music. Why pay music that I can get on my computer for free when I can, or why pay for it when I get it for free? But the way they coded people's behavior, they trained people's behavior into thinking that it's okay to buy music. It's okay to to get something legally. It's more, in fact, it, it, you should get you should feel pride in getting something legally. And iTunes, I think, worked out real well. And I think they need to China need to learn from that model that it takes time to first change change people's behavior before thinking about profit. Um, so, yes, it's not it's not a profitable model yet, but I think if they keep at it and um, hopefully. It's financially viable to keep at it. Um, perhaps things could change for the better. Maybe, maybe not in the next year or two, but in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, one of my big problems with iTunes is that for TV shows, they're way overpriced. Yes, they don't differentiate between, say, um, you know, uh, a, a half hour or or twenty minute episode of The Simpsons and a one hour episode of of True Blood. Mm-hmm. Right, they they will they will charge like a buck ninety nine for for both of those, and I I e- even that I think a dollar ninety nine for a TV episode, a one hour TV episode is a bit pricey. I'd rather see something along the lines of like fifty cents for a thirty twenty minute sitcom and 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 ninety nine cents for you know a forty five fifty minute episode of a television show. I think that'd be a little bit more in my ballpark. And the yes. other problem I have is they don't seem to have sales all that often. You know, it's like uh, the digital purchase m- models of a lot of movies don't really go on sale that much. And if they do, there's no real indicator. I mean, maybe there's an app out there. Uh, there probably is that, that, that you know, highlights when, when if things go on sale. But it seems like the Amazon... Uh, stuff is usually better priced. I mean, I end up buying a lot of music from Amazon because it's a little bit cheaper than the music mm-hmm. from iTunes. Um, and unfortunately, but unfortunately, in terms of films, um, you, you can't stream them over here. You can't get access to them. Yeah. So that leaves iTunes as sort of the only the only option right now. They they they. I know they do discount some stuff. I think I got the first season of uh, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Because it was really, really you. cheap. Oh, you mean TV show? Okay, yeah. I thought you meant a movie. No, 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 not the movie. That that they'd have to pay me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really cheap for a full season. Of, it was like you know fifteen bucks. I was like, all right, that's a that's a decent price. <laughs> you know, for for non physical media, yeah, that's a good price. I'll pay for that. Um, but when they're charging like you know thirty six, forty bucks for a complete season, 
uh, of a show like, you know, Game of Thrones or something else. Um, you know, Game of Thrones maybe not a good example because that's like 10 episodes, but a, a, a 24 episode show like uh, Lost or something. Um, I don't know. It seems to me in my mind, I'd still rather buy the physical DVD set for the same price, you know, yeah. on Amazon. How, uh, I'm gonna do a little kind of a devil's advocate thing. Would you rather? Would you be able? Would you be willing to pay more for a show that's on a a pay TV channel like say HBO or Showtime rather than you know something that's on and then a second tier for basic cable and then finally you will pay less the least amount of money for something like on network TV? Would you think about that kind of model? I don't want to pay anything for something that's on network TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing. It's it's free to air when they're willing to air it. Of course, for network TV, but when you, you know, I, it, I mean, it, you're it, paying for the convenience of having to being able to catch the, the, it anytime the prob- you want. The, the problem with um, the whole torrenting thing, with with regard to network TV, is because you're not watching the commercial. But people at home aren't watching the commercials either, because what they're doing is they're using their um, their recorder, their TiVos, to and the TiVos cut out the commercials anyway. So when they go back and watch it, they're not watching the commercials, or they're fast forwarding through the commercials. So the, the the whole commercial model is kind of kind of done. Um, I think. Put put them online on something I can access, like an international YouTube or an international Hulu, and embed the commercials directly, which some shows do, some programs do now, so that I can't fast forward to them, and you know get your revenue that way, and 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 then you know maybe that's a better model, but um, it's a it's a good model for us, but it always goes back to that: who gets the money? Yeah. Right? Who yeah. gets the money? How much money comparable to it? What's the what's the opportunity cost? See, the thing is, like is that. is with network TV. If I really like a show, I'll end up buying it. So mm-hmm. that if I've if I've watched it online somehow in a, in a manner that I shouldn't have, but I'm going to buy it later. You know, am I still breaking the law? Technically, maybe I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of a morally gray area, right? I'm I'm simply accessing it in advance and paying for it down the line later as, as a physical media. Um, does that deserve the same level of prosecution as somebody like, uh, what was the guy? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, dot com. The, 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 the big Hong Kong German mogul who got arrested. Uh, what was his name? Kim, Kim.com. That's it. Kim.com. Okay. Um, you know, uh, it's. I think that they 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 we're in a area of transition, and a lot of things are changing. Uh, iTunes has certainly changed a lot for music, and I think movies are probably going to be the next thing uh, that gets changed. Um, but you know, I, as I was talking about with some people, uh, did we talk about it last week? The new Apple MacBook Pros. A little bit, maybe. Yeah, because uh, they're getting ready to get rid of the optical drives. You yes, know. yes, we talked about that, yeah. And and you know, so if if that's just another step in in us getting rid of a uh, physical media, um pushing us to the online libraries, then you know, I don't know. Uh but you know, I I would love for iTunes to have a better layout, to to have a sale section and and to to let me know, you know, let me know when my favorites or my things on my wish list get go get cheaper because Amazon does that, you know. Um Amazon lets me know if something I've got in my in my or I had in my cart has gone down in price and you know tries to tempt me to buy it a little bit more. I'd love for iTunes to be able to follow a similar kind of thing. iTunes as a as an online shopping experience is kind of poo, you know. 
Um, but you know, there's room for improvement. Uh, going back to our article, though, wow, we really <laughs> got off on a tangent there. Uh, <laughs> the article goes on to talk about that. Uh, says this week the Hawaii Brothers Media Corporation unveiled a venture with uh, Best TV or Best or Best TV New Media. Uh, that's a that's a weird. It's BES TV New Media. So <clears throat> Best TV New Media, uh, a Nasdaq listed media spinoff from Shanghai Media Group to create the blockbuster channel. Uh, Why you said that it's two highest profile films later this year, Tai Chi Zero and the Jackie Chan vehicle Chinese Zodiac will be presented on the new service. Uh, soon to come, uh, soon too will some of some 35 of Huawei's catalog titles. So if I'm reading this correctly, there's a couple things here. They're going to be creating a blockbuster channel. And they're going to be that blockbuster, not the uh, so it's not, not the video, it's store. not okay, it's just not the named block. Store. That's a bad name <laughs> to use <laughs> going from history, right? Because they're, they're kind of a bankrupt now, um, yes. uh, so they might want to rethink the name. But, um, so they're creating this channel and they're going to debut the films at you know, at the same time as they get screened or at when they later after they're screened. No, obviously, there will be a theatrical window. Um, but of course, we know that the Chinese um, Chinese streaming sites tend to have a shorter thea- shorter window between theatrical and and and, and ancillary. So mm-hmm. um, ancillary, anyway. Uh, yeah, a, a kind of a shorter window. So maybe maybe two months, a month and a half, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, there there should be a theatrical window. Right. But anyway, it's not it's not a new thing um, because Huawei is already one of the investors in the uh, now popcorn channel. Uh, they're a co-investor along with uh, Peter Chan's um, Peter Chan's com- production company and uh, e- and Echo. So mm-hmm. it's not a new thing. I think this is, they're just continuing that model into China instead of you know starting from Hong Kong and then moving into China with that model. Interesting. Yep. So you you didn't get a chance to sort of chime in. I mean, what do you think of the uh, the the payment models for network TV versus you know original content or uh, even you know one of the things they did like uh, with iTunes was that every once in a while they would they would um, release something that hasn't screened yet, sort of a pre-screening film. You'd pay a premium for it, but for some you know for some things I didn't mind. You know, like I think I saw Monsters and uh, Margin Call um, before they were released in the theaters. I paid a little bit more than the theater price, but I was happy to because I got in a little bit early and of the of, of because of the convenience of it. So in that case, I'm 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 happy to pay a little bit more than theater ticket price um, for the early access. What do you think of of the different payment models? Um, let's face it; it's never going to work here in Hong Kong because it, it it would just be a repeat of Korea where people take the these paid versions and they 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 find the vulnerability and make it into a pirated copy on the internet. I don't trust Chinese people to, to behave. And, and I'm saying endearingly because I am a Chinese person. I'm sorry, I'm saying endearingly. It's okay. Um, that I don't trust Chinese people enough to to do this to play the honor system to be able to play um, to to watch to actually pay to watch these movies and then leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't trust that model to work here in Hong Kong at least. Uh, I don't mind paying like I just I just paid uh, nine ninety nine to watch um, uh, Take This Waltz, the the, the the new Seth Rogen, Michelle Williams movie mm-hmm. uh, just last week. I didn't mind paying it because I missed it at the Hong Kong International Film Festival and I don't think we'll get another chance to see it here, so I didn't mind paying that price, the extra price for it. Um, 
See, and like, I'd, I'd, I'd be very happy right now to go on and pay, you know, 10 bucks to watch Brave. Okay. Because it's but, in the theater right now in the U.S., but we're not getting it for, like, three months, right? Yes, but in the end, in the end, as someone who is, who is you know, who is kind of have half of a step in the industry and, and, and do want, do want profits to be made, um, of course, to films that deserve it, um... I still believe that the old distribution model brings more revenue, and I believe in whatever ways that that brings the maximum revenue um, to 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 especially the indie people who can you know continue doing the work. I believe I would believe in that model because let's face it, there's only a few of us. Really, there are only a few of us that are willing to pay overseas. They're willing to pay money for these kind of things, and in the end. They don't make up for the money to be made from theatrical revenue or distribution rights uh, being sold or video rights or whatever rights they're being sold and royalties and things like that. Hmm. I think um, in the end, a majority of people here still realize the theatrical. And if too many of us start crossing that line and if we start hurting local, local, local theatrical revenue, um, I think it's just going to hurt us in the end. It hurt us in the long run. Um, we'll get less films here. Distributors, uh, at least content owners, will have less faith when they sell movies to Hong Kong. Uh, content uh, or people, distributors in Hong Kong, will have less faith when when they take a risk and buy smaller movies or movies that might not might not make so much money. But you know, like Free Idiots, we've never gotten here. We've never made twenty million here in Hong Kong. Hmm. Everyone started using that model, crossing the border, and and um, so I'm a little worried. I, I I'm still kind of for the okay. Let's find a way that can make for these people to make profit. And if the internet platform can actually do end up uh, overshadowing dis- uh, money that pe- that can be made from selling distribution, right? Then so be it. Then let's use that model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but if 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 selling rights um, still is the best way to to for for content owners to make profit to make profit for something they've invested in, uh, right? And they and they're right in 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 getting their return, as in you know they make something good that deserves to make money. Then I'm willing to uh, more than willing to go the traditional way. Hmm. So to me, it's uh, I believe in still I still believe in a kind of a, I'm still in between the the consumer and content owner kind of debate. I I'm right in between and I'm still leaning towards owners. I think. All right, I think we've spent way too much time on that topic. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god. All right, uh, last little bit of news this week. Uh, there's a new podcast in town, and it's got two fists on it. It is called the uh, Two-Fisted Podcast, nonetheless. It is the newest uh, podcast over at the Podcast on Fire Network, um, which is produced and hosted for some of the shows by a friend of the show, uh, Kenneth Brorson. Uh, The Two-Fisted Podcast is a new, I guess it's going to be an Asian-based podcast, if I can get the site to come up. Uh, It seems like my internet has died. Hosted by two young ladies, um, in going by the uh, tag names of, if I let me make sure I get these right, uh, Ninja Squid, okay, Ninja Squid and Achilles Girl, uh, also known as Sylvia. Uh, Amber is the Ninja Squid. They are the two hosts of this new podcast. Episode one features uh, the film Hong Kong Godfather, uh, and they do a really excellent job uh, giving some analysis. They also they start out 
talking about how to mix a drink called the Hong Kong Godfather. So <laughs> if uh, you want to drink and listen to podcasts, uh, uh, I can't recommend it highly more highly in, enough. Um, but once they get beyond the drinking part and the mixing part, uh, they really get into some in-depth discussion of this film. Uh, and aside from the site uh, for the podcast itself over at the Podcast on Fire Network, uh, they have a separate site just for the show, Two-Fisted Podcast, and they have a really a lot of extensive material uh, from magazines about the film, uh, about the filmmaker, uh, with clips, trailers, uh, interviews. It's really, I mean, for a podcast that focuses on a singular film, uh, the entire episode on a singular film, they really do have quite a bit of coverage, and there's some good research. They even have a uh, a whole Cantonese segment where they explain how to say uh, some Cantonese phrases like dialo and things like this. So um, if you're really interested in an in-depth look at the film Hong Kong Godfather, uh, I would urge you to go and give it a listen, you know, in part because in, in this genre of podcasting that we do, focusing on Asian film, um, there are not that many female voices out there. Uh, you know, talking about this this kind of content. So it's really, it's a nice break from all our, uh, uh, you know, what would you call it? Uh, overly uh, masculinized, gravelly tones, right? <laughs> um, I can talk like a girl if you want me to. So no. yeah, please please no, give it a listen. Now, apparently, they're not, they're not solely focused on Hong Kong film. I, I guess in their next episode, they're going to be looking at a Japanese film or a Korean film. Um, so they're going to bounce around, but it looks like they're going to be focusing on um, a- at least some other Asian films and coming back to Hong Kong film uh, a little bit later on. So uh, if you're not a big fan of Hong Kong cinema, you know, just keep checking back and they might be covering a cinema that is more of the caliber that you're looking for. So Two-Fisted Podcast over at Podcast on Fire. Check it out. All right. I think it's time to talk about some films. What do you say? Oh, oh, were we were we already? Oh, it's, it's only been like an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turn out the uh, editing knife to uh, attack this episode. All right, so we've got one East Screen film to talk about this week, and that is the uh, latest from actor Chapman Toe and Fiona Sit, who we saw earlier in the year in the film. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gambler, they have now returned. Now, actually, I don't know. Th- was this film actually in production before Mr. and Mrs. Gambler? No, after. It was after. Okay, so after. this is their second film. So it's still chronological order. Yeah, yeah. pairing together. Um, and this is the film called... No, the... Uh, they were in La Comedy Humane. Oh, that's right. I, I keep forgetting that movie. And it's such a great movie. It's okay. So it's, it's, their, not a... it's their third pairing together. Um, and... Uh, this is the film called The Bounty. Uh, so The Bounty is basically the story of a young man uh, named Cho, played by Chapman Cho, who's a bounty hunter. He makes his living by, you know, uh, basically running after fugitives and criminals. Uh, so, he's, you know, it's if you're in the West and you're familiar with, like, Dog, the bounty hunter, uh, <laughs> this is that kind of a job, but with Chapman Cho. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> just picturing that you should already have if you know who Chapman Toe is he's not a big guy 
He's not a muscular guy at all. He's like the antithesis of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Um, and in fact, they kind of uh, play with the fact that he's got a little bit of a medical issue in the film as well, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, one of the things I like about this character is that he's, a, he's a little bit of a badass uh, in some ways. And, and I, I kind of liked that about the character. He's not a goof. He's not like an Inspector Gadget. Um, or, or uh, you know, a Maxwell Smart kind of character. He doesn't, he's good at what he does, and I like the fact that they made him good at what he does. Um, so basically, he is looking for his latest uh, bounty. He's uh, chasing after uh, a character that he's tracked to a place called the um, uh, Lonely Inn, or no, the Lazy, lazy Inn. The Lazy Inn. The Lazy Inn, yes. uh, which was where? It was like an, some island. A fictional, a fictional it's a fake uh, yeah, fictional offshore island. Yeah, fictional offshore island near Hong Kong. And he's chasing this guy called Lee Kin Fai, um, who's, uh, he apparently killed a young woman, a young bride, while he was robbing her, and he's trying to track him, track this guy down for the reward, which I think is like 400,000 Hong Kong dollars or something. So it's a pretty substantial bounty. He's, uh, his, his contacts have said that uh, he believed, they believe that this guy has gone to the Lazy Inn because he, in his younger years, had a crush on um, one of the daughters of the boss there, and that they think that he will go back to this place to try and, you know, make contact with her. <clears throat> and so basically that sets up the plot. He travels to the to the Lazy Inn incognito, and he gets a lodging there, and there he meets Linda, uh, who's played, uh, Linda's son, who's played by the actress Fiona Sitt, and she's a quirky, inquisitive kind of character, and she thinks something is up with uh, this character Cho uh, right from the get-go. She thinks he's there to commit suicide because uh, they get a couple people coming to stay at the inn. It's kind of a rundown inn, uh, and they get some people coming there to commit suicide on occasion. Um, so she thinks originally he's there to, to try and come and commit suicide, and then later she finds out there's something strange, and so she starts hanging around him a bit more to try and figure out what's going on. And the owner of the inn is played by Alex Mann. Uh, he plays... Um, at first, we, we are led to believe he is the uncle of Fiona Sit, but then we find out that their relationship is a little bit more complex than uh, than, than initially than they initially lead on to. Um, and so it basically sets up the relationship between these main two characters and a little bit of the backstory between... Linda and her father, who's the boss of the Lazy Inn. Uh, then towards sort of the latter half, um, it gets a little bit more complex as they start to track down this main character and then another villain character sort of crops up um, and things take a little bit of a turn. For me, this film is all about the quirkiness and it's just quirky enough for me to love it. I, I really enjoy these kinds of films which, which try to go for... Uh, sort of a genre style feel, but they try and keep themselves from getting too serious, but also not too silly. They're they're kind of riding this uh, tightrope, uh, and and I think that this film for me successfully successfully navigated that tightrope, and uh, that was due in part to the the chemistry between the leads, which I think here was really really good. I, I think their chemistry here was better than it was in Mr. and Mrs. Gambler. Um, as I said, I really like Chapman in this role where he's sort of a, you know, 
uh, he, he's really skilled at what he does. Um, he's not perfect. He's not in, indefeatable. Um, but uh, he, he's really good. He, he, in some ways, he reminds me of the Ronald Cheng character from Fatal Contact. Because some of what he does is meant to be a little bit comedic, but he's still, he's still good. You know, he's still a good bounty hunter. Um, there's this thing he carries around that's like a trunk, a suitcase, and it's like gadget prone. And I remember when I saw the trailer for the film, they really played up the trunk a lot more than what we see in the film. And I was kind of disappointed by that. I thought the trunk was going to have a, have a, have a little bit more. Uh, of a role uh, than it actually did. I mean, it it does get used in in and there are some quirky things in there, but um, I thought there would be more of that. Uh, there other the other characters I also liked. Um, there are some cameos with people like Eric Cott, um, the young Raymond Wong, not old Happy Ghost Raymond Wong, but the young Raymond Wong. Uh, and there's a special secret cameo at the end that I won't reveal here, um, but it really kind of made the film even more fun for me. Uh, so I'd say. Yeah, see it. Um, it's one of the better films I've seen this year. It's not a perfect film, but I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And in the desert of Hong Kong cinema that we've had thus far, I found it to be a very pleasant surprise. Kevin? Hmm. Okay. Uh, didn't like it as much as you do, Paul. Um, I think on paper it's a good concept. The whole idea of a bounty hunter in Hong Kong. And, and I, I think they could have done went a different way with it. Instead, they kind of went a lower... A cheaper way to do it. Um, I think there's some good humor, a good couple of good chuckles. Um, I think. Well, the problem was when I watched the Dynasty, the volume was turned way down, so it was hard to engage in it in the first place. But, um, but like I said, the film itself is, is 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 it has some good humor. I think I chuckled a few times, and I think I enjoyed it more than our, our viewing companions. Um, but the problem is Feng Chang, the director, the writer director. Uh, he's a, as a writer, he's written many uh, quite a few films. I think he wrote for. Stephen Chow, he was one of the writers on Sparrow. He's a he's a regular uh, Milky Way writer, and um, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. But I think this is his directorial debut, and um, I think this movie needed a director. Uh, the the writing was fine, um, had a lot of potential, but uh, the comic timing is very off. Um, the whole thing is offbeat, and and I don't mean offbeat in like a good way. I think like the the the, the beat of it was off. It was a little off, like. Um, uh, for example, like the final joke, like you were talking about the the cameo in the end, um, it's it starts off well and then it gets dragged on and on and on until it's not funny anymore. Um, so and then the whole movie is kind of like that. There are a lot of good jokes, like the the the, the thing with the the suicide thing of Chairman in the beginning, again kind of good idea, but executed not quite in a good way, in a way that's not really funny enough. Um, so so that is really a directing problem, I think. Uh, so I'm not sure if Feng Chang has a future as a director. I think he's perfectly fine as a writer, and the script here is fine. Uh, like I said, good concept. The story ran okay. I was a little more, I was more entertained than I, than I thought I would be. Uh, it wasn't painful, and it wasn't as painful as I thought it would be, considering from some of the, you know, mixed words I heard from the Une Far East Film Festival where the film had as a world premiere. Um, Chairman Toe was okay. Like you said, I, I liked that he was a badass. Um, and he did kind of lose his his silly edge a little bit because he's playing this badass. But uh, I like I always like him as a I, I like him as a lead actor uh, still. Uh, and Fiona was okay, even though her character was a little too quirky without really anything to back it up. There's not really much to like about 
Fiona, I think. Uh, I think her character was built way too much using voiceover instead of real action and real behavior, and I don't really get what her character was supposed to be. Um, I think Alex Mann could have stolen the show if the material was better, uh, but it was really great to see Alex Mann uh, back on uh, on screen again, and, and of course he shows... He kind of just, just kind of paves, he kind of blows everyone away by being the best actor in the movie because he is the most experienced, of course. Um, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie uh, because it, it, it has good things about it. Like I said, very good concept. Uh, I would like to see a, a, a different director take on like a sequel or another episode of the story or this kind of concept. Um, but the problem is it's not that good, I think. Um, so I would say TV it. It's a fine TV TV kind of deal we can rent on DVD or something and enjoy at home. I think it's okay, but uh, I don't. I don't think I, I I liked it as much as you do, Paul. Sadly, I, I think it's top not top ten material, but definitely not worst ten either. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in the middle there. All right, so a little bit of a split. Yep, yep. But of course, knowing that at the end of the year there won't be enough films, it could end up on top ten just by default. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Kevin, you're coming a little bit hot on some of your dialogue. Wanna... Okay, I'll push the mic away a little bit. Yeah. Better? Is this better? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. And speaking of uh, Ronald Chang, he's coming up in a couple of weeks, right? The four? The four. Looking forward the to that. The four. And he's playing a more serious role, I think. A more serious action hero, like you were... You yeah. were, you were I'm, like... I'm, I'm very hopeful from uh, what I've seen so far. Uh, all right. I think it's time to move on and talk a little bit about West Screen. East Screen, West Screen. All right, so we've got uh, one film for West Screen, although it's kind of a hybrid screen uh, because it's got a lot of uh, East Screen elements thrown in there. Uh, And that is the film Inseparable, which is uh, available on iTunes now, oddly enough. Uh, Now, this did get some play in Chinese theaters. It didn't get any play here locally in Hong Kong, uh, but we thought we'd talk about it anyway. So I haven't had a chance to download this and watch it yet, but it is on my to-do list. So, Kevin, this one's all on you. Sure. Uh, Inseparable, it is uh, the latest film from director Dayan Eng. Uh, of course, many of us would know who Dayan Eng is because he's, uh, he's a Chinese-American director. I think he was, uh, look at his Wikipedia page here. He was um, born in Taiwan. Uh, he studied film in America. He speaks fluent English uh, from an interview I just saw of him. And then he finished um, finished studying in Beijing Film Academy. So he's very much uh, speaks fluent Chinese and fluent English. Uh, this is his, late, his first film in, I think, first feature film in, I think, like six years. Um, the film stars uh, Daniel Wu as a Li Yue, uh, kind of a, is an engineer uh, for a prosthetics company. Uh, in the beginning of the film, he's about to commit suicide, um, but he's, he's interrupted by his neighbor, uh, American neighbor, uh, Chuck, played by Kevin Spacey. Um, according to Chuck, he's, he's uh, the guy who just moved in upstairs. He's an American man who's in China because he's playing the market. And um, seeing uh, Li, Li Yue in a situation, decides to help him, to cheer him up and, and give him something to live for. And the idea is to become superheroes. Uh, and and start fighting social injustice injustices they see uh, get kind of get Li Yue out of his funk. Um, 
At the same time, he also has to repair his relationship with his wife, Pang, played by Gong Beibei, uh, who is the wife of Diane Eng. Um, she's a reporter who, who's um, ever since the death of their baby, uh, has, been tra- has been taking on a lot of difficult assignments outside of home and kind of have a very straining relationship with, a very strained re- relationship with, with her husband. So he also has to, um, Chuck also has to help him work on that. And that's all I can tell you because, um, yes, on surface, the film is kind of like kick-ass in China with Kevin Spacey and mild comment of Chinese corruption, but um, it's actually not. It's actually a lot more darker and a lot more complex than it lets on to be. Um, and there's a huge twist 40 minutes in the film, So, and that's actually fairly easy to see because they start foreshadowing it about 20 minutes in. So, But I still shouldn't say it because it is a spoiler. Uh, it is kind of a very big twist. It kind of turns the film on its head, uh, becomes something else entirely. So, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but it, it, it is a lot more com- like I said, it's a lot more complex than, than looking like a comedy about people who dress in spandex and start fighting crime in China. It's a lot more than that. Um, Kevin Spacey seems to be having a lot of fun here. Uh, I think he did, he tries to speak some Mandarin. He has like five Mandarin lines here, and the nature of his role gives him a, a lot of things to have fun with. So, so it's definitely not just you know reciting lines. He you can see him kind of ha- at least he looks like he's having fun. Um, if he's not just having fun make slumming in China in the first place. Um, Peter Stormar, Peter Stormar, who we, I think we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, he was in Lockout. Uh, he slums here. And he, he has a cameo. He has one scene, uh, which, again, which is also, you know, okay. And Daniel, who spends half the movie speaking in his native, native language English, uh, also does okay, considering he's up against Kevin Spacey for most, most of the movie. Um, he, he does, he, he, he matches up well here, I think. Um, and of course, Diane Eng, like any decent Chinese director, casts his wife, Gong Beibei, as his lead actress. And um, she is also, I've I never seen Gong Beibei in a film before. I don't think she's really that huge in China. I think yet. she was in Connected, according to her filmography. Gong Beibei? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, well, probably a smaller role then. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, and she was in Founder Republic, you know, some of the 200. 200- 20 yes. people <laughs> and she was also in detective 2 um but again not a very um not a bad actress she's okay um but of course the fact that she's the director's wife you know kind of says okay yeah she gets the lead role automatically um director's chinese american chinese american like i said he's half chinese and he speaks fluent english and chinese so he has an ear for english dialogue and i, f- I have a feeling that that is because I speaks fluent both languages uh, fluently. That he does help a lot on the directing in both languages. So the English acting comes off here very well, um, especially for a Chinese film. You know, which has in the last couple of years we've seen has had really bad, really huge problem with with any 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 overseas any uh, acting of foreign languages or in, in foreign languages of foreign actors. Uh, so it's very refreshing here to see Daniel Wu actually acting in English, Kevin Spacey doing very well, and and the English lines aren't aren't actually that bad some of them are, are kind of funny and witty and yeah uh, and and anyone who's 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 scared of bad english dialogue in chinese movies don't have to we don't have to worry about inseparable hmm. it's actually quite quite good here um the film doesn't get huge laughs um i know it sounds like a comedy but it's not really um as a few chuckle spots i guess uh and again seeing kevin spacey sing in chinese singing mandarin is already very funny me uh the filmmaking is very is lacking in places um there there's just there's a very huge problem in chinese cinema where any actor who doesn't speak fluent mandarin has to be dubbed 
Uh, so Daniel Wu's Mandarin is dubbed. I think most of his lines is dubbed. Almost all of his Mandarin lines are dubbed. And in the end, you get a lot of scenes that are done through ADR, not 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 actually recorded in sync sound, and that kind of affects the natural the naturalism of the acting itself. And also, of course, the the filmmaking itself uh, is sometimes lacking. Um, so in the end, it's the concept that really trumps the execution here. Um, Diane Ng's script also takes the easy way out by the end. Everything's resolved too neatly in the end because it, it, it kind of opens up a huge can of worms and it does kind of write itself into a hole as in you don't know where it's about to go, how are they going to resolve that? And in, in, in the way that they resolved it, it was way too easy. It felt like it kind of took a cop, cop out. It was the easy way out essentially. So it's not really a satisfying ending. Um, the movie's okay. It's not a huge leap. It's not a game changer or anything in terms of... Um, uh, it is good to see a Hollywood actor. It is the first uh, Chinese-funded film to get a China-funded film to get a Hollywood lead actor, and it is. And let's face it, Kevin Spacey does play secondly to Daniel Wu here. Um, so in that way, it is kind of a game changer. And the fact that Kevin Spacey does well here is also a big breakthrough in terms Wait, of American are, actors. Are we saying that uh, Flowers of War is not a? Oh yes, but this one was finished first. Okay. This one was in Film Mart last year, so actually this one gets the first. The first China-funded film with uh, American or uh, Hollywood act- or foreign American actor, Hollywood actor, in the lead. So this one does get the first, first, uh, that the first. Okay. Um, and again, Kevin Spacey does okay. I think I think Kevin Spacey was better than Christian Bale was in Christ- uh, Flowers of War, just because his character is the nature of his character makes it easy, gives him more chance to stretch in both comedic and dramatic ways. Um, but it's not like a huge breakthrough of Kevin Spacey either. Um, so it's not going to be a big hit because it is too complex and it is, you can't really quite, you can't quite put a finger on which genre it is. It's not really a comedy. It's not really a uh, drama. It's not really a fantasy. You don't know what it really is, but it's, it, I think it's worth watching. It's a very interesting film with interesting ideas and again, it deals with you know Chinese corruption and kind of timely topics in China, um, and it's worth watching just to see a decent American actor giving a decent performance in a decent Chinese movie. Um, so of course you can't you can't theater it anymore because it's never played in theaters in America and it won't play. It likely won't play theaters here in Hong Kong and it's already came and gone in China, but it is worth TVing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say definitely it's worth watching if you're a fan of um, if you are interested in, in, in Chinese cinema or is a fan of Kevin Spacey or Daniel Wu alright so it's definitely better than I thought it would be there you go and you can find it on iTunes yes you can find it on iTunes it's, it's available for rental and, and purchase um, distributed by Warner Brothers I was surprised but um, yeah it's definitely an okay movie worth watching and this episode is not sponsored by iTunes just so you no. guys know no it's not it's not it's not <laughs> It's a personal, uh, yeah, personal recommendation. According to their filmography, Gong Baby was in uh, The Detective 2. Yes. Uh, she was I the dead so. girl, I think, right? Or she was the... Well, there is a girl that was in the movie. Like, a throughout the movie, I think. So I have to figure out who, yeah. who she played. Ah, uh, uh, the mother of the... The mother of the killer. So now I know kind uh, okay. of which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The East is Blue. Wait, What? All right, so this week we have a video pick, and it's a pick we've already covered. Uh, Flying Swords of uh, Dragon Gate has another Blu-ray release. What? 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 What the heck? Really? Yes. Yes, it's true. Yes. So, 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 basically, the money that I spent is, uh, I should have just uh, thrown it down a hole, right? 
Well, is that what, no, is you, that what you're going to tell us? No. Well, okay. I yes, there is a new Flying Swords or Dragon Gate Blu-ray. This is finally the 3D plus 2D version that that many people have been waiting for because they were all angry that the 3D and 2D releases were split up um, and split them in a very bad way. Um, this new one finally combines the two versions. Not only combines the two versions together, but the 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 video has been remastered. The aspect ratio has been changed. Uh, the there's uh, more more special features and possibly I think the free, special features from the exclusively 3D version that's carried over, and there's a picture in picture commentary with English subtitles with director Trey Hark and action choreographer Yuan Bun. So everything that we should have gotten in the first place is in this 320 Hong Kong dollar 2D plus 3D special Blu-ray that I just bought. Um, I just sold my old version for like 40 bucks. Uh, my 2D version, and I, I'm still mad. But uh, let's face it: if you're gonna buy F- Flying Sword Dragon Gate, this is the version you've been waiting for. Um, uh, and I'm gonna go into a little more detail. Uh, again, the film has been remastered. The images are a little more colorful, I think, than the original version. That's on my 2D Blu-ray. Um, so it has been touched a little bit. Um, the aspect ratio uh, in, the, in the original Blu-ray it was 2.35, essentially the theatrical ex- exhibition uh, ratio. It's now been opened up uh, because apparently, um, I guess Trey Hart opened it up when they decided to do IMAX. So there is it's now 1.78 to 1, which means it'll fill up your widescreen TV. And uh, the, the picture actually opens up up top and bottom instead of uh, cutting off the sides. So you do get more of the picture. I've done the comparison last night. Uh, and the commentary, I didn't watch the other, other features. Like the commentary, like I said, is English subtitled. And you would hear Trey Hark and Yuan Bun talk about the film. And uh, and it's worth it just to see Yuan Bun looking like he's watching the movie for the first time ever. Even though he did the action. And then and Trey Hark keeps trying to talk to him and ask him if he remembers that day. If he remembers that day they shot this, that day they shot that. It's, a, it's an insightful commentary if you want to learn how they made the movie. Instead of, you know, how Trey Hark conceptualized the movie. Um, but you know it's very rare to see a Chinese filmmaker give a commentary. It's even more rare to see a commentary in with English subtitles. So, yes, uh, Paul, I'm afraid this one is worth buying. Yeah, I know. Yes, this one is worth buying. If you do care about the movie, you like the movie, and you like to see more of the movie. Who's the distributor? Distribu- I'm not sure who. I think this distribution workshops. Uh, they did the first idea. one, right? They 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 are the the right holder, and I think they they decide on the releases. This is what I have to say to them. All right, that's it. Dishonor. Dishonor on your whole family. Make a note of this. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. I can't believe they made me buy a DVD that has no features on it whatsoever, and then they release, what is it, like not even two months later? Not even two months later. (sighs) I am glad I bought it because it's finally the version we've been waiting for, and I I don't want to talk about too much negative thing about Distribution Workshop because they they are very good to me. They, they've given me jobs, and I've done things for them, even though not on Flying Sword, so I'm, I'm okay. I can bash the fact that they did this to us. But um, but this version is really the version you want. If you haven't bought it yet, don't go for the cheaper Blu-ray. This is, um, if you're a fan of the film, and uh, yeah, even just for 2D version, just for the commentary and all these special features, I think this one is worth buying. Mm. Sorry. Eh. 
But if you haven't bought the, if you already bought the first version and you didn't care for the movie that much, or you don't want to see Trey Hart talk about the movie, uh, and you like your movie in two point three, and you like, you know, the aspect ratio issue is not a big deal. It's really just to fill up your TV and give you a little more top bottom. But if you're satisfied, you know, you don't like the movie that much, and you're satisfied with having a bare bones release, um, and you don't have a three D, you're not interested in getting three D version anyway. You can keep your old Blu Ray, but if you really like the movie and you do want to hear the Treyarch commentary and you do want to see the the retouched picture, which is more different in color than quality, then yeah, this is kind of the one you want to get. Yeah. Well, looks like I'm gonna have to throw my old one on the uh, give it away as a prize pile. <laughs> yes, let's give it. Yeah, and and, and and totally unrelated story, we're giving away the bare bones, a slightly used, uh, screened one time copy of the bare bones edition of the. 2D Blu-ray. Now a collector's edition, right? <laughs> That's what we'll say. Damn, I shouldn't have so mine. Oh, uh, uh, well. Live and learn. That's what I get for buying stuff. Opening week, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to cover it for our video section. Uh, let me play this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, I think that's going to do it, folks. Uh... As always, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can find us over at our website, congcast.com, K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T.com. Or, of course, we talked a lot about iTunes this week. You can find us over at iTunes, and we would love for you to stop by if you like the show and uh, leave us a review and uh, try and help us get the show a little bit more recognition, at least in the Hong Kong store, uh, for heaven's sake. Uh, Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash congcast for the show, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock for following Mr. Ma and his daily exploits and musings. And if you want to follow along with my geekery, uh, twitter.com slash foxlore. Although I haven't been tweeting as much as I used to because uh, I've been so busy. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show directly, you can email us at gmail. Uh, that is eastscreen at gmail.com. Uh, send us a comment. Send us a question. Uh, send us a short audio review or you know a short audio file, and we'll play it here on the show. Um We've actually gotten a couple uh, people sending us stuff through the website for uh, film premieres and, and uh, you know, people wanting to send us screener copies. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that, Kevin? <laughs> um, um, depends on the movie. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, no. I mean, screeners, um, if they really want some kind of attention if you guys really want attention for some of your projects we'd be glad to talk about it um but but um we don't ultimately we're not professionals at this um we don't we we can't really devote more than the time we're already devoting to this i'm sure at least for paul especially because uh the big event coming up um uh, but you know if um we'll take each offer as they come uh, we've already sent. We got an uh, invitation to uh, to uh, to a screening, and actually, Bros uh, Kozo sent sent a friend of the podcast, the guy who's listening to Mr. Spombeck to the to the um, 
screening. So he'll be talking about it on my blog. Um, and in the future, I'm sure we'll be, yeah, we'll take each offer as they come and then we'll consider it, of course, based on our, our life schedules. Yeah. Um, oh, and speaking of, uh, speaking of screenings, uh, didn't you have a screening last week? Yes. Yes. I forgot to report this. Uh, my Hexagon Concepts, a company that I co-founded, um, with Marco Spomberg and um, so Diogo Martins and and, and Jorgen um, Jorgen Horvath. Uh, we had a launch party last weekend uh, in in Photon. Uh, we did a, a internal screening of Hexagon, which uh, Paul, I'm sorry you weren't you weren't present. You didn't come and check the film out. I know you were you were feeling well. Yeah, the the wife and I both had uh, the uh, I don't know what you'd call it the third trimester blues or something last week we were in the a bug yeah. yeah we were in some kind of a funk yeah but um but yeah the, the the party went off went went well uh we showed the film the the responses was mostly good i think pretty good uh and uh we cut the cake and everything and uh hopefully the cake looked good the cake was amazing man, thanks I was, to uh diogo's when mother saw, when i saw the pictures of the cake i was like man i wish i was there <laughs> Yes, Diogo's mother brought, brought a really amazing cake to a party, and we did like a cake cutting ceremony, and we did a toast, and and yeah, uh, Mark, uh, Mr. Spomberg makes speeches. We're launching our official website soon, the Hexagon Concepts website, uh, and Hexagon will hopefully. Mr. Spomberg is also heading to Puchong, uh, I think, in a couple of weeks to the to the uh, filmmakers lab. So congratulations to him, and hopefully he'll be making. Bring some more contacts and, and bring some stories. I hope we can get him on a show, actually, when he's done. Then he can talk about his experience over in Puchong in the Filmmaker's Lab. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, but otherwise, Hexagon Concepts is officially underway, and, uh, and I hope that people like what we're doing, the transmedia concept. And, um, yeah, keep, keep watching out and uh, see what we, what we have when we have uh, coming up. Yeah, you can, if, if you're not sure what we're talking about... Um... Go back to episode 112, and I've got all the links on the, the website there uh, to sort of catch up on what is the Hexagon project and, and film and stuff going on. Um, and I I do need to say a, a little bit of an apology to uh, to Marco and to, to Kevin and to Hong Kong Dave. In hindsight, that episode was such a mess. <laughs> and and I take full responsibility. We had way I think we had way too much going on in terms of too many films and and, and guests and everything going on. And I think in the future I'm really going to try and keep things streamlined to um, you know two films and and a guest at any given time. Because I think when we pack in way too much content, we were over time and it wasn't a, so much of an editing problem. I think we were just it was just we were covering too much and we probably didn't spend enough time quality time on anything in particular no i think i i think it's good to have these kind of big party episodes once in a while and and i but i do realize that yes um long shows do do kind of affect people's schedule when they're listening to us and things like that yeah. uh but yeah we'll, we'll keep working at it yeah give, i mean send us your feedback if, if you like the longer yes. shows if you if you prefer the more streamlined shorter so usually we're pretty consistent um i'd say since, except for tonight <laughs> yeah well no even even tonight we're still because we we're only talking two movies this week um we're still within the time window of like normally we're between hour and 15 to an hour and 30 
Yeah. Uh, we've been pretty consistent with that, and, and I'm kind of happy with that time frame. But if, you know, listeners would like a shorter show and like us to be more around an hour, you know, that's something we can take into consideration and, and try and trim some of the fat. And trust me, I bring a lot of fat to the show. <laughs> you bring a lot of fat. Man. Man. Uh, all right. But, yeah, so, um, so yeah, do, do check out the Hexagon Project, and we'll be sure to keep you guys posted on the the where's and the when's and the the why's and the how's and all that stuff going on with that project as they come to light um for us of course if you are itunes averse you can catch us over on stitcher you can listen to us on your iphone your android phone your blackberry do they still make those and your web (laughs) os phones uh stitcher is smart radio for your phone find it in your app store or at stitcher.com stitcher smart radio it's the smarter way to listen to radio and we thank them for their support of our little show Additional thanks out to Rob Gowers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme, Rosh Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for organizing movie nights for us here in Hong Kong. And if you are coming through Hong Kong and you're interested in, in heading out with a, a bunch of go- goofy movie geeks and film geeks um, to a movie night, you can head over to our website and I you know try and keep um, you know a, a somewhat regular schedule there of both the shows and when we're going to have official movie nights. Uh, last few weeks, it's been kind of up in the air, so I haven't really posted stuff. But we're getting ready to go into a period of um, some pretty good summer films for local films coming out with things like The Four and Painted Skin 2 and some other stuff uh, coming down the pipe. So if you're going to be in Hong Kong and you're interested to come out and hang out and watch some local films, uh, have our website and drop us a line. We'll be uh, happy to let you know how to get out and about with us. Um so yeah, thanks to Rush for, for organizing that. Thanks to Kevin for sticking with me for 114 plus shows now. And of course, thanks to all you, the listeners, for listening to us each and every week. Uh, next episode, 115, we're going to be talking about the latest from Cecilia Chung, Shadows of Love, and uh, the biggest Hollywood, the next Hollywood superhero blockbuster, maybe? I don't know. We'll the next see. superhero reboot, more like. Yeah, reboot. The latest reboot. A reboot to the head, uh, from, from, <clears throat> from the way I see it. But uh, who knows? Will it be amazing? It is titled The Amazing Spider-Man, and we will be talking about that next time. Um, all that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, happy handover for 15 years, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Uh